0: Happy week of second week of November. We are absolutely crushing through the month, and I cannot believe that it's already November 9th, actually, when we are recording this. We will come out with the pod a couple days later. So it'll already be a few days in the future when listening to this. But it's November 9th here, and currently it's the evening. We record in the evenings, and it is pouring rain in Sydney, which I mentioned this a little bit earlier today, actually, that so far in Sydney, we had a spurt of really a couple of really dry weeks. And then we've had a really good transition of rain and sun and rain and sun. This morning was stunning. Most of the day was really lovely. Now it's raining and it's really wonderful to see because it's been actually pretty hot and dry recently. So here we are making sure that we have a good 50-50 split of sun and rain heading into summer. So really exciting stuff there. And we are cruising into the end of the year. It's going by really quickly. And it's absolutely wild to think about how we don't have that many weeks left in the year. And what a year 2023 has been. Uh, Thinking back, we, of course, on this podcast at Wonder we started this year. We were created out of a simple concept, wanting to talk to people about their experiences, share stories, connect with people. And we are doing that. And it's been really fun. I couldn't be more excited for the future of the pod. I was listening to a podcast today and the host had said, Having a podcast each week is like having a therapy session, which I thought was really a funny way to describe it. I think maybe for this podcast, I really enjoy talking in a really different medium than I do in my day to day. I wouldn't say this is a therapy session because I am not going through the ins and outs of my life and the trials and tribulations and all that stuff. I say that for my therapist, but. What we do talk about is travel. We have some updates. Uh, you know, we go through and we share stories and we have fun with it. And I really enjoy that. And I also really do love that other people find podcasting so therapeutic. I really enjoy it. And every time after I I share the episode and I edit it and and I get people's feedback and their thoughts, I really, really enjoy hearing that. And I genuinely really enjoy recording. It's it's something it's I never really had thought too much about before the last couple of years and it's so different and unique and it's a lot of fun and there's so many different podcasts out there. It's just amazing that we live in a time where we share stories in this format and it's so wonderful that you can hear stories about anything and everything. Gardening, there's another podcast I really love on interior design and one's on relationships and Entrepreneurialism and all these different things. So, a really cool time for us. And today we are doing our wildcard episodes. So, we're talking about a topic, and these tend to be a little bit shorter. We'll get into the topic we're going to talk about today here in a second, but wanted to give the Wonder Pod friends an update on our trip to New York. We are having some interesting developments in the trip to New York. We had booked an accommodation and we booked this accommodation a few months ago and all seemed well. However, they didn't really have many reviews, but that was fine. We took a little bit of a gamble and I didn't feel that great about it. It seemed too expensive for really what it was. And of course it's going to be expensive in New York. That wasn't the issue, but it was too expensive for, for what it was really small. And yes, I think a lot of people would be thinking, yes, even still small places to stay in New York are expensive. But this just didn't really line up for for really what it was charging. And, and it didn't really make sense. And so we had booked it. And I, I like I said, I wasn't sold on 100%. I went back a couple of weeks ago or last week, and they had gotten tanked with a couple of really negative reviews. Just one value for money wasn't there. It wasn't clean. Was messy, the, the person in charge was non-responsive, and oh, like no one would recommend it. So we were able to actually find, and I think that this is a great thing to share because I wasn't so sure how this would work going to New York for Christmas, but we were able to find a hotel that was less than what this accommodation was, and the hotel was Really nice, great rooms, amazing reviews, right in the heart of Manhattan and right right on the outskirts of the West Village. Outskirts, I say, kind of inner line of the West Village and Greenwich Village. And so a great location. And it had two full beds and, you know, enough space for Hugh and, and my sister and I traveling. And it was perfect. So... Luckily, we had uh, we were within our cancellation policy, so we were able to cancel. We booked in that place and all is well. So that was really helpful and an interesting note. And I really hadn't thought too much about this, but I think it's a helpful tip to check in on your accommodation if you book are booking really far out in advance. Make sure that nothing has changed since you booked because you don't want to be hit with these surprises and then you also don't want to be within your cancellation policy. And this is why cancellation policies are so important. And honestly, I would actually rather pay slightly more to have a flexible cancellation policy than to not have a flexible cancellation policy and pay a little bit less. And then something comes up or reviews get really bad. You don't want to stay there anymore. Or they're infested with all of this bed bug drama that's going on. I am not sure if everyone has heard about this, but bed bugs have been running rampant throughout so many different places, namely right now, Europe. I saw on a travel Facebook group that I'm in that this woman was staying in a accommodation that is a rented house and she was eaten alive by bed bugs, and the host refused to really acknowledge it or, or compensate her in any way. And she like just all over her body we were bedbugs everywhere. And if you haven't seen a picture of a bedbug, I would recommend to not look one up. They are horrifying. They look so, so scary. And most of the photos that you find are really zoomed up as well because they're really small. And so it's even worse. And so yeah, the bed bug brigade continues. And I did read in the comments that apparently hotels are a bit better at refunding people if there's a bed bug infestation. But I'm really curious to see how this plays out because it started in Paris, but bed bugs don't stay exclusively on beds. They can travel, they can stay on your clothes, they can be on buses and, and trains and whatnot, and they can really get everywhere. And so I had this moment where I got a little bit of chills of just what if we're taken over by bed bugs? I don't know. I don't really know if they have a predator or what the deal is and how to get rid of them, but what I had read is that you just have to either wash everything on extremely hot water or burn the bed. So I don't know how that helps us in this case. Anyway, hopefully there are bad bugs. Uh, I was talking to my sister before this, and and she was saying it. You know, I hope there's not bed bugs. I was saying the same. Really hope not, there's not bed bugs. However, I did look online, and you can apparently. You can get a black light flashlight that you can actually travel with that can that'll show bed bugs. But you can also pull up the sheets and look at the mattress, and you should be able to see them. So they are visible to the eye. They're just really small, um, so you can actually get that. And so I would definitely caution anyone who's traveling soon be on the lookout for the bed bugs because it really seems like it's it's picking up a lot of traction and they're they're spreading really quickly. So hopefully. Hopefully we, we stay safe from those. I'm thinking right now I'm in my house of just, it's really nice to have a place that doesn't have bed bugs. Although here in Australia, we do have cockroaches. And when I was out in Amsterdam for work a couple months ago, I was telling some of the people in the office about the cockroaches in Australia, and they could hardly believe all the cockroaches. And to be honest, before I had moved here, I was so afraid of cockroaches as well. I don't love them now and we're not friends, but we know how to handle one another. And mostly that means we either in my last apartment, I would get it sprayed for bugs and that would actually that worked really well because you know it's cause for alarm when you see a baby cockroach. Terrifying because you know once there's one, there's many and usually a baby means an infestation. So it's difficult in apartments as well because you don't own the walls in between and it can be really difficult in Sydney, especially in the East. The buildings are really old and that can be really challenging. But luckily, if you get sprayed and or you have a cat, my cat loves to make sure that she's the exterminator of the cockroaches. So either one of those things I would recommend. Hopefully you're listening to this podcast bedbug free and we started this talking about some some scary things, bed bugs and cockroaches, but that's not actually what we're going to be talking about today. In other travel news though, want to bring everyone up to speed. So travel and leisure has released their destination for 2024 and drum roll. That's my own drum roll. It's Costa Rica, which is really exciting because we've done an episode on Costa Rica. We definitely have more to do and also more to visit of Costa Rica but Costa Rica is at the top of the 2024 travel list. And I might say that we were trendsetters when we visited Costa Rica in 2016. We were predating this trend, but it's really exciting that it made it on the list of this. I was just looking at a couple of notes before this and travel and leisure is is a great place. I mean, they have so many great articles. Some of them are a little bit dated. I was actually going to talk about this one um, at some point. This one that they have 11 things to do before your trip. And it's just an interesting list. Like one thing that they have on here is bring in your outdoor furniture. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely do that. Um, but I guess it it's just, it just depends on how long you're gone for. If you have someone, you know, pet sitting. Or maybe you just have actually furniture covers. So maybe you don't need to bring them in so much. But I just thought that that was an interesting thing to put on this article. So I think they have some good content. And It's really cool that they have a lot of information on travel and definitely gives us a lot of inspiration as well. Uh, Interestingly, this 11 things you should do the day before you leave for vacation was fact checked. (laughs) What does a fact checked look like on a subjective article of what you should do the day before you leave for a trip? I'm not quite sure. But I was actually briefing my sister on this, uh, this article to get her thoughts. And she one of the ones I had mentioned was the contact your cell phone, uh, or sorry, contact your your credit or your debit card company, contact your bank, and talk to them. Let them know that you're leaving. And I haven't done this in a long time because my cards in Australia work fine wherever. They don't seem to be phased. I don't know if it's lack of security or it's because of the chip, or I'm not so sure. But she had said she lives in Montana. And when she was going down to Wyoming, the bank locked her card just for a transaction in Wyoming. And she said it was ridiculous because she has one of her addresses on her account is in Wyoming um, because she used to live there. So it sounds like some banks are still really strict on that. So I was like, oh, that's helpful. So still call your bank and let them know that you're leaving. I haven't done that, like I said, for a long time. You really don't need to do it for credit card companies. I don't think. Um, I haven't done it for mine for ages, but that's something that you might want to look at if that pertains to you or if you're not sure. But today we're not talking about any of those topics. We are talking about eSIMs and SIM cards. And the reason why we're talking about this, well, one, because this is our wild card episode. So I was thinking, what would be an interesting topic to talk about? And I remember thinking about this when we were in Rome actually to talk about how you can get a sim in Rome, in Italy, and in Europe in general, and realized that it would be particularly well-timed because yesterday, Optus, which is one of Australia's two main networks in Australia, we have Optus and Telstra, similar in the US if you're Comcast. Uh, and I don't know, actually remember who else is there, but Comcast is, is one of the biggest ones in the US. And Optus went down in the morning, really early, and they were down until 2, 3 p.m., which was actually really horrifying and scary because many of the hospitals went down, some of the trains, computers run on, on this you know, mobile data and whatnot, and so those went down and it was absolute chaos. So there'll be a day of reckoning coming here soon for Optus to answer for what happened. But the good news is things are back up and running. Uh, And this reminded me to ensure that I diversify the companies that provide some of these services because I have my phone service and my internet with Optus. So my phone went down and the internet went down, but Hugh's phone did not go down because he does not have Optus. He has Telstra. So herein lies the importance of diversifying. The good news is for internet companies, there are many other providers. A lot of them, though, pull off the Optus network. And so a lot of challenges there. So as some people had said, it pulls off the Optus network, but they didn't go down. So that's interesting. Maybe it was just because it was managed by someone else. Not quite sure, but really interesting. And we're back up and running, but it was a really strange time. All of the phones that were connected to Optus went to SOS and and really, really strange. So we're really dependent on these these things like service. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because... We know that we're dependent on mobile service, especially when we are traveling. And especially for that period of time when you're traveling and you don't have mobile service or you don't wanna use your mobile service. And so I thought that we would talk a little bit about SIM cards when you travel. This is one that a lot of different people have opinions on. And I am going to share my opinion. This is my podcast, so this is just my opinion. This isn't the only opinion, there are many other opinions. However, I did scroll through TikTok for a sensible amount of time, and I basically consolidated the main opinions into a couple of these bullet points of what your options would be to do and have a sim. To start off with, when we were heading to Europe, and we'll have to do this again for the US because I don't have a phone number in the US anymore, but to start off with, the, with Europe, I looked at at my phone company and I look what their options are. This would be the easiest in theory, if it was the slightest bit affordable. And also probably the easiest if you are are, are going for on a work trip. I think this is, is the best if you're going on a work trip. It's minimal, you're not paying for it, work is paying for it, this would be easy. But the first thing to do when it comes at connecting data is look at what your current provider has. So as I noted, I'm with Optus. They did have something like $10 a day, but uh, $10 a day for, I don't know, let's say uh, five gigs and every gig over five is 15 extra dollars. Pretty steep when you're going for three to four weeks. So that to me just initially was like, there's just no way. What if there I'm in a pickle or I know a lot of these places don't have Wi-Fi. So what if we need to watch an emergency friends episode and we can't do that on the Wi-Fi? It's not loading. We need to use our data, but we only have five gigs. I don't know how many gigs a Netflix episode needs, but I imagine it's pretty close to five, potentially. So that just didn't seem enough to me. Also, it's then there was some sort of cutoff thing and it just It seemed really complicated. And in this day and age, we just don't love complicated. We need it to be simple. We need it to be straightforward and we need it to work. And we don't want to pay an exorbitant amount for it. So I needed something that checked all those boxes and Optus was just not doing it, unfortunately. And I think that a lot of people will find that with their phone provider. In my Rolodex of my my memory of friends' conversations about this, I only remember one friend talking about their phone provider having a reasonable international plan that made sense to keep on that plan while they were traveling. So I'm sure it's out there. So that's why I would start and check there. See what's going on because if it works great and it's affordable, amazing. If it doesn't work great and it's not affordable, you have three other options we're going to discuss. So great to start there and see what the go is. Uh, However, if that does not work and or you don't want to pay for it, which I did not want to pay for it because I did the math, I was like, I'm gonna end up spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And one time when actually Hugh and I were in Bali last year, I was working remotely and I had a couple of meetings. The Wi-Fi in Bali did not want to keep up with the meeting, the meeting um power needed or data needed. And so I actually in Bali. And so I do know roaming works in Bali uh, because I had to turn on roaming and I had to not only turn on roaming, but use it for three hours. And it cost me like $500. And it was, it was absolutely insane and horrific. And I wouldn't recommend that for anyone. And we had just gotten in the night before, hadn't gotten the sim yet. And this is my only option, so this was really unfortunate. But the good news is that hasn't happened since, and this does leave us to option number two, and that is getting a SIM when you arrive. This is what I have done every single time I've traveled out of the country that I'm living in, and I really like this option for a couple of reasons. One, usually, most of the time, you can get a SIM at the airport. So you can do this transaction at the airport very easily. And depending on the country, it can be really seamless. For example, if you're going to Amsterdam and you need to get a SIM card, you can walk out the terminal uh, from arrivals and you can go straight to the little shop and you can get a SIM card. There is no process of your passport or anything like that. I honestly don't even think I've shown my ID and you get a SIM card. It's really great, something you know, like 40 euros for uh you know 40 gigs or 35 gigs or something like that pretty affordable and that one you can actually use in multiple different countries which is helpful the only thing that isn't helpful is I still have not figured out how to call on the Dutch phone numbers because it sends you all this Dutch information. And then you try to call and it says something in Dutch and I've never been able to figure it out because I don't speak Dutch. But that's fine. The data works as needed and that's really easy to do. And so there are other countries I've done this in and Italy being one of them, I found Italy to be really easy to get a sim. However, there just wasn't a spot in the airport. So what we did when we were in Rome and Hugh and I chatted about this briefly before, we were kind of thinking, there are some sims you can order online. I'm gonna chat about that in a second. And we were just thinking, you know, we were moving, there was so much going on. Did it make sense to try to order and ship and coordinate when we could just get it there? For us, it just didn't make sense. So we decided let's get it when we're there and let's save ourselves some time prior to that and we'll get it when we're there. And so we got there and we spent the, you know, we kind of bopped around anyway. It wasn't so much. We we just downloaded some maps beforehand and we did go to a couple of sim places. Fair warning in Rome, a number of them may very well be sold out. a couple of them were, but that's okay. We found a money exchange place that ended up selling them and this was really a probably the lengthiest process that I have done. They do require your passport, but you can use a photo of your passport. so I just pulled it up on my phone. Pro tip always carry a photo of your passport on your phone. You never know when you need it and I've needed it more than I would have maybe initially thought. And I've never been sorry that I've had it on my phone. So I have a scanned copy in my Google Drive for emergencies as well. Um, that You could also access on your phone. But you have to fill out this paper. You need your passport. And it honestly seemed like a really big job for the woman who was doing it because there was so much back and forth. And she had said something about paperwork and you know Italians enjoy paperwork and whatnot. So it was a little bit longer. It probably took us in total to do two About 20 ish minutes, Uh, but that's okay because it was really affordable. So, what we did was we got two SIM cards with 50 gigs for 50 euro. So, it was incredibly cheap. And I want to point this out because this is worth saving a bit of money on. Because if we look back to the Optus example, you know, $10 a day with overage fees of XYZ for five gigs, absolutely nothing and a complete ripoff when compared to this example. There was a couple other videos that I watched, and this one woman was talking about an eSim, which we'll get into. And she was saying, "Oh yeah, you can get here, uh, you know, ten euros for twenty five USD. Yeah, okay. So the USD to the euro is is relatively close. So for fifty USD, you can get twenty gigs only on one phone. Still, quite a bit more expensive than than these these um, these sims. And this sim also lasted me." And it worked all throughout Europe as well and lasted me until I was in Nice um, a couple weeks later. So I was able to make the 50 gigs last over a couple of weeks. All I had to pay was, in reality, 25 euro because we split the the cost, of course. So really, really affordable. I've also done this in Thailand. They have one in the airport, really easy. In some of these countries like Thailand and Bali, or actually Thailand, really easy transaction similar to Amsterdam. Bali, you also do need your passport. and what feels weird about Bali is you can buy these at these very tiny shops and they ask for your passport and then they set it up and they do some texting of your passport photo to the person setting it up and it all feels really strange and like maybe your details are going to be sold on the uh, you know the dark web and then you get a sim. So it's an interesting process. But that being said, I've always done this and I actually haven't ever found this to be that much of a challenge. I think the only thing when we were in Rome, of course, finding ones that didn't have them and whatnot, we weren't able to get them in the, the airport. So I think that that was a challenge. But I would say that this is a really trusty way to do things and it's really affordable. And so if that's your goal, like if you're going on these trips and You've already spent all this money on it. It doesn't make sense to spend an arm and a leg on data by any means. So, keeping that in mind, the third one is this company, um, or actually a couple companies. The third idea: a couple companies have the ability to order them online and get them shipped to your house. So, a couple companies that I looked up. So, Sim Corner was one of them, and they do a really great deal, at least for Australia. Um, 100 gigs for 65 Australian dollars can be sent to your, your house. But the biggest drawback that I found with these is they don't actually give you a phone number. And I think that that's what's really nice when you get the in-country ones is you get a phone number. And so you can place calls if you need to in the event that there's an emergency or something. And so I really like that aspect of it. That being said, much of the online travel community has really touted these as being really easy to have your SIM before you go. They send it to you in a little pack, it comes with all the explanation and whatnot, and it seems really reliable as well. And you can, uh, of course, choose what pack for which country you want and whatnot. And so this seems like a great, great option. Full disclosure, I've never done it before, but there's a number of people on the internet that have and claim that this is a really reliable option if you want to solve that ahead of time and can give you a really good deal. The 100 gigs for 65 Australian dollar is a way better deal than the the one that even we had. And of course, the one that is involved if you are working with Optus, at least in my case, or whoever your regular provider is. The last tip here is, or the last option, is an eSIM. So I had heard about this eSIM change a while ago, and I knew that it was gonna be coming out on the new iPhone and that was really exciting, but I didn't really know what it meant and I didn't really understand the eSIM ways and I think there's still a lot to learn. It seems like we're all still figuring it out, which is great. However, in my research, I wanna make sure to provide you guys with all the options, right? So I wanna make sure that you have some options available and you're aware of just what's out there and you can choose what works best for you and your schedule. But the eSIM, and this is only applicable if you have the most recent Android or iPhone, because they are the only ones that are eSIM compatible. Uh, But an eSIM is basically, from what I understand, you can download an app. And one of the popular ones that come up is Air Allo. Download the app, you choose your country, enter in your data, you choose a plan. And like I mentioned a little bit earlier, though, the plans are also still a little bit more expensive than they are in country. And so there's a lot of flexibility here, which is really nice. If you're traveling to a number of really different countries, this could be a really great idea. It probably would save you a good amount of time if you're going from New Zealand to Mexico, to Argentina, to South Africa, to Dubai and back. Those are all really different countries. uh, And that's probably going to need different sims for each of them would actually add up to be a good amount of time if you were going out and about and finding the sim and whatnot in each of those countries. So I can see where this one would be really great. And most people online did note this one is the best if you do have a trip that is going on a number of different countries. If not, it might might not be as applicable because the time it took us to go get our sims for 20 minutes is probably the time cumulative it would take both of us to set up the app and get our information in there and load it and do that anyway. And it's a little bit cheaper. Um, the argument could be made, it's time out of your holiday, but you're walking around anyway, you just pop in. And to be honest, it was a really nice break from a really hot day I'm going to get it set up. So all, all positive things all around. But the eSIMs are really an interesting innovation. I could see this being the direction of sims moving forward right like there could potentially be a world where we don't have the physical sims for now i still really enjoy the physical sims and i will continue using them at least for the single country you know once we get to multi-country and whatnot we'll we'll look into some other options but those are our four options for how to get service on your trips and depending on where you're going it can be easier or a little bit longer but either way always have your passport that's the most important thing that you will need and sorry about that my phone was on and i received a an incredibly rare text message wonder who that would be um but yeah it's it's really important i think too let's cover the why to get a sim because some people are, are really in the the band of they want to unplug and and that's really nice and to be fair, I also really enjoy doing that as well. And even when I have a SIM on holiday, oftentimes I'm keeping my phone on airplane mode, you know, until we're back in the hotel, having a bit of a, you know, lie down or a debrief or anything um, because I don't want to burn through all my data. And that's really important as well because 50 gigs does not last a long time when you're always using it for maps and, and stuff like that. So I often keep it on airplane mode, but it's really not safe to not have a SIM. I think this is the most important thing when you're traveling. You want to be safe and you want to be able to have the ability to call help if you need it or get help or something like that if it does come up. Um, And if you don't have that, then it's going to be really challenging. And depending on how much travel you've done, you just cannot rely on Wi-Fi at different places. So many spots don't have Wi-Fi or it's not reliable Wi-Fi or something of the sort. So it's super important. Make sure you have a fully loaded, reasonable amount of gigabytes, and I think reasonable amount for a trip. If it's a week long, sure, 10 to 20 is fine. That's gonna be great. If it's two plus weeks, it needs to be 30 plus, because you're, anything that you're gonna be using it for is gonna be heavy lifting. You know, whether that's that's looking at Google Maps, you know, different searches, Netflix at night, watching Friends, like it just—it's all over the board. So, uh, really important to make sure that you do get set up with data. But my philosophy is, I don't think that you know, keep it simple. I don't think that you need to overcomplicate it, and you also don't need to make it a stressful part of the trip. It's not something you need to do, you know, must do before you leave. Just get there and figure it out. You will find a place that sells sims, and it'll be fine. If you don't want to figure it out before. Because let's be honest, sometimes leaving before these trips can be really stressful. There's so much going on. There's a lot of moving pieces. You don't want to forget anything. You're packing and running around and trying to make sure it's all in where it needs to be and whatever it might be. So yeah, don't stress and get it when you get there, if that works for you. Or you can try this eSIM out. There's a lot of info on the internet, particularly TikTok has a lot of people who are talking about eSIMs right now, but be cautious, Be cautionary because a lot of them are sponsored by these different companies um, that I found out. So it seems like the eSIM companies are really trying to break into the market, which fair play to them. I mean, it's very new, so it might be a bit difficult and people don't know about them. Um, But we have some options. And also, you know, I hope some of this competition with eSIMs and whatnot also drives the price down for phone providers in general, because, I don't really know what their overhead is when they are using these other networks and whatnot, but you know, they're just in a lot of ways, completely removed from the game when you're traveling because they're so expensive that you just totally shut off. And I guess they benefit because you, you're you paying your phone plan anyway for that month, but you could be paying a little bit more to have some additional coverage. So hopefully they think about that. But after the outage yesterday, it's really important to stay connected and some people may say we are overconnected, but especially when you're traveling, you don't want to be caught without being connected. I don't know if you guys can hear that. That is our apartment dog, not in our apartment. We don't have a dog, but we have a dog below us that is very conversational and has a lot of thoughts, probably about the eSIM. I would imagine is what he's barking at. Anyway, yeah. So that's our podcast today. That's our wild card. We will be back next week with a very exciting. Guest on a trip uh, that I took with them last year, uh, just a little bit over a year ago, and it was phenomenal and wonderful, wonderful. And I can't wait to chat with you guys all about it and for you to hear the pod next week. So, with that being said, I will say sayonara. I hope you all have a beautiful day, whatever it is today. This pod is going to be coming out on Saturday, so if you're listening to it day one, happy Saturday if you're listening to it day seven, happy Saturday, and everything in between. So thanks so much, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed this podcast, and if you uh, are liking the content that we're putting out, please let us know by filling out a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you, you are listening to us today. And check us out on Instagram and TikTok, which is where we are posting updates and photos and, um, and content and whatnot there too. So thanks so much again for your support. We really appreciate it. It means a lot and we can't wait to talk to you next week. Thanks so much. Bye.